Hey everyone, it is a great honor to have one of my favorite people on the planet back on the show for his fourth appearance. He's the creator of Blue Zones and the number one New York Times bestselling author, the one and only Dan Butner. Dan, welcome. Thank you very much. The, the fourth time's a charm. Thank you for letting me warm up those first three times. Now, now I'm ready. You're always ready and always welcome. You're here to chat about your latest new book, which will surely be a bestseller, The Blue Zones Challenge. And I love the book. And you start the book by saying, quote, I'm just going to say it. If you're overweight, suffering from diabetes, heart disease, or even several kinds of cancer, it's probably not your fault. Politicians like to shake their finger at us and tell us our health is up to us that it's our individual responsibility. I don't buy it, end quote. I love it, but I'm going to have to ask you to elaborate. That's a big one. I know it's disruptive, but let's look at the facts. In, in 1980, 15% of Americans were obese, and now 45% of Americans are obese. Now, is that because we have somehow lost self-control as a population, or we have lost sense of responsibility or we we've lost discipline or, or we, our parents love us less than we love, um, or we love our children less than our parents loved us. You start asking yourself what's changed. And I don't think humans have changed. I don't think, I don't think our bodies have changed. What I do think has changed is, is our environment. You, the number of fast food restaurants has gone up by about a factor of 20. Over 50% of all retail outlets, including where we get our tires changed and where we pick up our diabetes medicine, is a gauntlet of salty snacks, candy bars, and sugar-sweetened beverages. And we're genetically hardwired to create sugar, fat, and salt. You're in an environment where you can't escape it, and you have the Madison Avenue getting paid over $11 billion a year, the sharpest minds, advertising minds in the world, shaping messages and over 300 messages rinse over our psyche every single day, reminding us that this food is delicious. In many cases, this food is fortified with vitamins. Very hard to beat that. Very hard to beat your genes and the, and the onslaught of, of messaging all day long, every day. And we ended up eating more. We ended up eating the wrong things. And that's what I believe got us to this to this place we are right now. You know, and you mentioned politicians, and I'm not going to go down the COVID rabbit hole, but during COVID, there was a lot of messaging from the CDC, from politicians about what to do. You got to social distance, you got to mask, then you got to get vaccinated, take all these precautions, and all those points were valid. However, there wasn't any messaging about, hey, you got to get out there and, and take this opportunity, maybe move a bit, maybe yeah. eat some more vegetables, eat some beans. And what's so disappointing is I feel like there was a, we squandered a massive public health opportunity within this public health crisis to talk to people about getting healthier and taking care of themselves. And the government could have helped message that the government could have helped subsidize it. We didn't really do anything. Well, you know, and our hair is on fire about this terrible infectious disease known as the coronavirus. But in the span of time that half a million people lost their lives from COVID, about 6 million people died early life deaths from preventable deaths from heart disease, 
cancer, diabetes, and dementia. So we kind of got bamboozled. And, and I'm not saying that COVID wasn't a serious disease. It continues to be. But the, the, the 900-pound gorilla in the room is not infectious disease. It's chronic disease. That's costing our country $3.7 trillion a year. And I think the big opportunity that was lost is as people were treated into their homes to not only re reconnect with their families, but also to learn the lost art of cooking. Every time we go out to eat, and by the way, the average American goes out to eat 115 times a year. Every time we go out to eat, we consume about 300 more calories than we would if we ate at home. And that's because foodstuffs is cheap and restaurateurs understandably are trying to make as much profit as they can, but it, that usually means flavor enhancers, more sodium, more sugar, bigger portions. And a lot of the, uh, the chronic health issues in America could be treated if, if we learned how to cook again in our homes and we could control the ingredients, control the portions, and quite honestly, eat as a family. And we know people eat as families tend to get better nutrition. They tend to eat slower. They tend to eat fewer, better calories. Agreed. So I'm going to bring it back to Blue Zones. And I, I think many of our listeners are probably familiar with Blue Zones. But for those who are not, could you give us a quick primer yeah. about the, the why and your journey, your Blue Zones journey? So it's now been about 15 years ago with funding from the National Institutes on Aging and with an assignment from National Geographic a team and I sent out to, in a sense, reverse engineer longevity, which sounds, I know, like hyperbole, but there's a well-established uh, Danish twin study. About 20% of how long we live is dictated by our genes. The other 80% is something else, lifestyle or environment. And so we reasoned that if we could find the statistically longest lived people working with demographers and then use established methodologies to see exactly what they do we could get a pretty good idea for uh, a formula for longevity. So high, working with demographers, we found the longest of women in Okinawa, the longest of men in Sardinia, uh, Italy, an island in Greece called Ikaria, where people are living eight years longer without dementia. The Nicoya Peninsula of Costa Rica, the lowest rate of middle-aged mortality in the world, and they spend one fifteenth the amount we do on healthcare, and then right here in the United States among the Seventh-day Adventists, Americans that are living up to 10 years longer than the rest of us. And we reasoned that if we could travel to these places, do a literature review, talk to the experts, and identify the common denominators or the correlates, we'd have a pretty strong idea of what is producing longevity. And that was the result of the cover story I wrote for National Geographic and to date now four books on the topic. What's cool is you've identified in the book, the power nine, you've got move naturally, purpose, downshift, the 80% rule, plant, slant, wine at five. That might be my personal favorite, belong, loved ones first and right tribe. So can we walk through each one and you briefly explain what you sure. found? So if we start with move naturally. So this is disruptive, I know, but. I say exercise is, does not work. We spend $120 billion a year or so on exercise programs, and America continues to get more obese. So fewer than 15% get the minimum recommended amount of physical activity, which is only 30 minutes a day. Yet we keep hammering on this idea of exercise. 
Meanwhile, in blue zones, people are thin. They don't suffer from obesity. They don't have CrossFit. They don't have yoga classes. They don't have ellipticals in their basements. But our team figures they move every 20 minutes or so. They live in places where every time they go to work, a friend's house or out to eat, occasions of walk, they have gardens out back. They haven't engineered all the physical activity out of their lives with me mechanical conveniences. So they're moving all day long, burning many more calories than they would if you, they sat in their offices all day long and tried to make it up in the gym. Plus, they keep their metabolism higher. So the result is more and better physical activity. I, I, I believe you. Even better, we'll get to that. You walk to happy hour at wine at five. So you walk up a hill with a friend to happy hour. Let me tell you something interesting. So I work with a very clever researcher in uh, Sardinia, and he interviewed over 300 centenaries to find out and looked at their life to try to find out what, what seemed to be driving longevity or, or uh, the correlation. Turns out the third biggest predictor of living to 100 in the blue zone of Sardinia was how steep your village is. The steeper your village, the better chance. So yet again, it's this sort of, it's not the conscious physical activity. It's the unconscious physical activity. That's the result of your environment. Uh, you guys are in New York City and you guys, you're, I've been up to your wonderful offices there. My body green people are fit, you know, relatively speaking. And I would argue it's not because you have better gyms, but because people are walking to the subway and biking to work and even getting in public transportation all the time makes a difference. Yeah. I, I, I hate elevators, so that helps, but I take the stairs everywhere. So in our, our office is on the fourth floor. So I'm up and down multiple times a day, I probably do 20 flights of stairs. And I remember when you used to weigh 506 pounds and you <laughs> <holding> right off. <laughs> so, so the next one purpose. Yeah. If you could put purpose in a capsule, it'd be a blockbuster drug. Robert Butler, first uh, founding director of the National Institutes on Aging, led a study that looked at the retrospective writings of people and then tracked them over time and found that people who could articulate their sense of purpose were living about eight years longer than people who are rudderless in life. And in blue zones, not coincidentally, I believe, there's vocabulary for purpose. People know why they wake up in the morning. They have, as they call it in Okinawa, ikigai. And um, again, these are all associations. I, I can't draw a causal relationship between these factors, but I can tell you all blue zones are imbued with purpose and they did in a long time. And the next one, downshift. Yeah, so the worry, the hurry, the uh, stress of the human condition is the same where we live as it is in blue zones. People worry about their finances and their health and their, their um, children. But what they have that we've forgotten since the time of our grandparents are these sacred daily rituals of prayer, of taking a nap, of Okinawans do ancestor venerations 15 minutes a day to remember their, their, four, their, their four fathers and mothers. And in Sardinia, they do happy hour, which <laughs> favorite of ours. So next one, 80% rule. Yes. So I, I took this from the Okinawan adage of Harahachibu. It's actually a Confucian saying, reminding them to stop eating when their stomachs are 80% full. And um, if you're ever lucky enough to meet a centenarian in Okinawa, you'll 
almost always see them before a meal intone those three words, Hadahachi Buddha, remind themselves to stop eating before they're full, completely full. And that usually manifests itself on the plate. So they they put the 80% amount of food. They, you know, after a while, you get a pretty good idea of what's going to, you know, fill you up adequately and what's going to stuff you. And then they pre-plate the food and put the leftovers away. And we know from Cornell Food Lab, that is an effective strategy of mitigating calories. And it's something Okinawans have been doing it all along. And plant slant? Yeah, so for the book, The Blue Zone Solution, I worked with Walter Willett at Harvard to do a meta-analysis, 155 dietary studies done in all blue zones over the last um, 80 years or so. And if you average it all together, people there are eating 90 to 100% whole plant-based food. It's mostly whole grains, greens, tubers like sweet potatoes, nuts, and beans. I agree if you're eating a couple of beans a day, it's probably adding four years to your life expectancy. They do eat meat, hence plant slant. And most of my work is done with cities. You get hired by cities to lower the obesity rate. And if you come in with this hardline vegan mandate, people show you the door in a, a hurry. But if you come in, say, look, I know you're going to eat what you want to eat, but here's what the longest people are eating. And they're only eating meat about five times a month. So you may want to heed that example and uh, try to get more greens, beans, and nuts into your, into your meals. Now to the fun one, wine at five. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of studies about alcohol. It's been associated with breast, higher levels of breast cancer, women, prostate cancer. But if you look at overall mortality, people who drink a little bit seem to live longer than people who don't drink at all. And certainly in blue zones, they're enjoying a glass or two of their favorite alcoholic beverage every day. I, I like to talk about this blue zones wine in uh, Sardinia, Cananao, that has three times the levels of polyphenol. So we don't know if it's the wine that is uh, producing uh, the highest concentration of male centenarians in the world, or uh, if <laughs> they just like to drink, but the two seem to go hand in hand. That's a lesson that I take to heart. Okay. And the next one, belong. Yeah. So I'm not a particularly religious person, but I have to say of the 400 or so centenarians I interviewed, all but five believed in a faith and belonged to a faith-based community. And if you look at the academic literature, you see that people who report showing up to church, temple, or mosque, uh, mosque at least four times a month are living between four and 14 years longer than people who don't. So we don't know if, if, you know, showing up once a week is helpful to your health because it forces you to slow down and think of a higher power or you're less likely to engage in risky behavior or if you have a better social network or if there's a God and God said. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's a, there's no downside on that practice and probably a lot of upside. I agree. I agree, especially when you go through pandemic, when we'll touch on this later, but the loneliness epidemic that we're experiencing now, and right. I think ha having some sense of self, some sense of purpose and, and some sense, so, some sort of religious or spiritual practice is huge. And science is increasingly supporting the need for that. 
You, you know, I also wrote a cover story for National Geographic on happiness, an effort to um, distill all the available survey data in the world. So data-backed formula for happiness. And, and clearly, in most countries, people who belong to a faith also report higher levels of, are more satisfied with their lives. So a religion isn't just close your eyes and believe in God. So next one is loved ones first. Yeah. So this is most clear in Sardinia. Uh, the, the blue zone in Sardinia, interestingly, they're genetically different than the rest of the rest of Italy and the rest of the island. In fact, they're, they originated what is today the Basque country. They moved along the southern coast of France through Corsica into Sardinia about 11,000 years ago. We know that by looking at mitochondrial DNA. And they um, dealt with invaders, beginning with the Phoenicians and the Romans and the Arabs. And they got progressively pushed up into the highlands where they really had to fend for themselves. And it's so clear that they have this outside sense of community and family. And they needed that to survive. And that lingers to this day. If you talk to a guy our age in Sardinia and ask him what motivates him to get up and go to work every day, it'll, he'll never say financial freedom or I'm you know, trying to get ahead of my career. It's for their children or their grandchildren. People are deeply committed to their aging parents. The moment you put your aging parent in retirement home, their life expectancy drops between two and six years. Never, very rarely happens in Sardinia. You keep your aging parents nearby where they're put to work. Their, their wisdom, their resilience is harnessed. Their agricultural knowledge, their, their women are always the keepers of the food tradition. And uh, it turns out that in a family where uh, there's an aging parent nearby, the children actually have lower rates of mortality and lower rates of disease. So it's this virtuous circle that uh, older people are living longer, kids are surviving better, and it's all because family's a priority. And especially now around the holidays, it's not a bad idea to think about reinforcing those family bonds. Yeah, multi-generational living. Yeah. It's huge. It's huge. I'm a huge fan of that. And again, once again, I believe that is environmentally driven. Until very recently, Portland and a few other cities changed their code to allow for mother-in-law apartments so they could change their garage into an apartment. That all of a sudden made it easy to have multi-generational homes. When you're thinking of multi-generational homes, you need to have easy access for the older people. And you also want a home that, as you point out, at Mind Body Green there, where there's an opportunity to climb stairs for the younger people. So we conceived a Blue Zones home where Aging mom and dad would live on the first floor and our grandma and grandpa rather, and mom and dad with the kids will live, live on a second and third floor. So they got to run up the stairs every day. That kind of uh, moving naturally type exercise. And at the same token, the grandparents aren't as a high risk of falling down and having a fatal broken hip or some other malady. And the last one, right tribe. Yeah. So. When it comes to longevity, there's no short-term fix. We've all heard of these superfoods and supplement, anti-aging, resveratrol, metformin, all these, none of them have been proven or any shown any convincing evidence in humans to reverse or, or stop aging. It's just not on the scientific horizon yet. So if you want to add years to your life, you have to think about doing the right thing. 
and avoiding the wrong thing for long enough to not develop a chronic disease. And we're usually talking decades. So most of the things, New Year's resolutions right around the corner, well, half of Americans will run and make a resolution and it, they'll, they'll forget about it by about January 21st. We keep trying these things over and over again and fail. Most uh, exercise programs, supplements, and diets are short-term adventures. Friends are long-term adventures. We tend to have our best friends tend to be in our lives for decades. And friends have a measurable impact on your health behaviors. We know that if your three best friends are obese and unhealthy, there's a 150% better chance you, you'll be overweight. Alcoholism, drug abuse, all measurably contagious, smoking measurably contagious. But also, so are the good habits. Being a vegetarian. If all your friends are eating plant-based food, you tend to eat plant-based food. If all your friends ride bicycles and play or play golf or, or a garden, you're more likely to do these things. So one of the most powerful things you can do to add good years to your life is really carefully curate that core group of friends. Okinawans call it a moai, but it's really the circle of friends that you can count on on a bad day, uh, that you can have meaningful conversations with, and that you're in pretty regular contact with. I love it. And I know, you know, you said not a huge believer in superfoods, but in the book, you talk about longevity foods from these different blue zones, blue zone regions, everywhere from Sardinia to Loma Linda. We love foods. We love longevity foods here at MBG. So I figure we'd have a little bit of fun and I'm going to highlight some of my favorite longevity foods from these different regions and ask you to add a little bit of color to each one. So, sound good, Dan? You're always up for a little fun. Sounds like Jeopardy. It feels like we yeah. should do. Okay, go ahead. So in Sardinia, sourdough bread and milk thistle. So give us a little context on those. So sourdough bread, I think of it too, is the most interesting and convincing. So sourdough bread is leavened not with just yeast, but lactobacillus. And in the process... Most of the glutens are neutralized. And we don't exactly know why, but we do know when you eat a plant-based meal with sourdough bread that the glycemic load, the glycemic index of that meal goes down. So the sugars in that meal are absorbed more slowly, making it more likely you'll be using those sugars for energy than for larding up pounds in your midsection. So in uh, Sardinia, they are eating sourdough bread just about with just about every meal for their entire life. And I think it's a true longevity food. And what about milk thistle? Well, it's a tea. It's an antioxidant, anti-inflammatory. It's just something that showed up a lot in the dietary surveys. I cannot tell you for sure why. I just can tell you that it's highly associated with making it to hundred. Got it. Okay. So we'll move on to my personal favorite and is it Icaria? I can never pronounce it. Is it Icaria or Icaria? How do I pronounce it? Icaria. Icaria. Coffee. Yes. So the number one source of antioxidant in the American diet, which is more commentary on the American diet than it is on coffee, but coffee is associated with lower rates of Parkinson's disease and lower rates of diabetes. In Icaria, they make a, the Turkish type of coffee where it's ground very finely and uh, then boil 
And that process seems to bring out these oils, these polyphenols that are good for your heart. Uh, it's just one extra element. Again, they drink coffee and they live a long time. Coffee is also common in Sardinia. It's common in among the Nicoyans. Very good coffee, by the way. And blue, actually, there's Blue Zones coffee in, in Nicoya. So we just think it's one of those beverages that you can enjoy with impunity. And it's probably good for you as well. And in Loma Linda, we've got avocados. Who doesn't love avocados? Yeah. So the secret to making plant-based food taste good is herbs and fat. Eating um, lettuce by itself or broccoli by itself, very hard to convince an American that's been eating Doritos and burgers to, you know, but avocado is one of these magical, it's technically a fruit that um, full of good fat. And it can be added. I make every morning, I start my day with a, a minestrone. I make a Sardinian minestrone with three beans, very rich in fiber, very savory and delicious. But I'll slice an avocado on top for the fat. It makes it taste more delicious. They, they can be blended into smoothies. There are several desserts. I have a book called The Blue Zone Kitchen, where there's a, a dessert, a chocolate mousse dessert with avocado blended in for the fat. And, um, a lot better doing that than lard or butter or the other fats we turn to for flavor. And the last one in, in Nicoya, we've got black beans, which we've talked about, but bananas. Great source of soluble fiber. Again, with bananas, the, the healthiest food, the best longevity food is the food you're going to eat. So. What does that mean? And you, A, you have to be able to afford it. B, you have to like it. A lot of people like bananas. And three, it has to be convenient. And yeah, by the way, funny you should say that. I have an amp. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something about the bananas. They're, they come in their own packaging. So yeah, it's just, a, a, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say that should be the only fruit you should eat, but I would say that having a bowl full of fruits sitting on your table is a much better prompt than having a toaster on your counter or a bag of chips on a, in a clip. And convenience is one of the most important elements, I think, of eating healthy. So there's a great deal of research you do for, for every book, every article you, you put together. And I'm curious in the process of writing this book, the blue zones challenge, was there anything that jumped out at you? Where you, where you said, wow, that's interesting, or I didn't think about that, or that statistic is a lot worse than I thought it was. Well, most of the Blue Zone challenge was to make the argument that if you want to get healthier or live longer, you need to reshape your environment, not try to rely on your discipline because discipline wears out or presence of mind. I mean, we're constantly distracted by things. So Jason, for most of the last 12 years, my business has been working with cities to lower the obesity rate. We're paid by insurance companies. And so we take the blueprints we've learned in places like Sardinia and Okinawa, and we apply them to places like Fort Worth, Texas, Naples, Florida, and Hawaii and Iowa. And we don't, we were successful. We've lowered obesity rates by 15%, some cities and smoking rates by uh, 20%. And it's not because we convince a million people to change their diet. What we try to do is change people's environment to set them up for success. So the healthy choice is the easy choice. What Blue Zones Challenge does is it takes that approach 
and it shows individuals how to set up their home life, their their kitchens, their bedrooms, to set up their work, their commute, and their personal life and their social life, so that the easy choice, the healthy choice, is the easy choice or the unavoidable choice. So, in other words, to engineer their day. So the unconscious decisions they make are healthier. So you asked about the research. So a Cornell Food Lab established that we make about 220 food choices a day. Am I going to put salt on my food? How about pepper? Am I going to put ketchup on it? Am I going to finish the last bite? Am I going to have milk with my meal, a Coke, coffee, or a glass of water? We make way more decisions than we think. Only about 10% of of those are actually conscious. So the big opportunity here is not trying to hound you to better shape those 20, those 10% of the choices you make consciously. The big opportunity is to, to engineer the 90% that are unconscious. So the book is all about setting up your life. It's very food focused. We help, we kind of gamify eating whole food plant-based which is worth about six years life expectancy over eating a standard American diet. We kind of gamify it. And then we show you how to set up all these domains in your life so it's easy, mindless. So let's just say you make a New Year's resolution. I want to lose eight pounds in four weeks, which is certainly within grasp with the Blue Zone Challenge. We're not asking you to call conjure up heroic discipline for the four weeks. Well, we're going to make it fun for you. We're going to set up your life so that when that four weeks is over, it's going to be the default to be eating whole food plant-based because it's delicious, it's convenient, it's easy, and we've shown you how to make it affordable. So so much of it comes out of setting up your environment for success. That's the central tenet. I can yeah. tell you in Blue Zones that you never meet a centenarian who said when they're, centenarian is a 100-year-old, never said when they were 50, well, God darn it, I'm going to get on that longevity diet now and live another 50 years. They, they don't have any better discipline than we do. They don't have better diets. They don't have health coaches. Hell, they don't even have access to mind-body greed. Yeah, <laughs> somehow they're making it to 100 at the highest rates in the world. And that's because they live in environments where the most convenient, cheapest foods are these whole plant-based foods. And they're geniuses and knowing how to make them taste delicious. So a lot happened in the world these days. I'm curious, what is most concerning to you? And on the flip side, what are you most excited about? Well, I mean, germane to the book, I mean, America continues to get unhealthy. Um, Obesity rates keep climbing, chronic disease. Keeps climbing. We're at $3.6 trillion a year, 85% of which is avoidable, dis- cost from avoidable diseases. Deloitte Touche estimates that number will go to about $7 trillion by 2030. That will bankrupt us. We're not, we just simply can't pay for that. I'm afraid of climate change like everybody else. And it, it worries me that population continues to grow worldwide. But these are all reversible problems, in my opinion. I agree. And I'm most excited, by the way, about the emerging adults, these 18 through you know, the high schoolers, the college students, they seem to be much more aware. 
In my generation, only about 3% of people reported being vegetarian. It's up to about 15% in most parts of the country. And I think being a vegetarian is a bellwether. I, I don't think they're holier than thou, but it's, that says to me that there's a generation of young people who care about their health. They care. Um, there's a very clear connection between what we put in our mouth. If we have a very meat heavy diet that has a huge carbon footprint and there's quite honestly, they're aware of animal cruelty. About 4 billion creatures have to die every year, every day for uh, 4 million creatures have to die every day to, to uh, keep America in its uh, meat habit. And those, most of those creatures, they lo love their young and they feel pain. And, and um, you know, I have to say that most of my life I ate meat. I, I don't eat any more, but it just tells me it's, and it's aware and concerned and I think enlightened emerging generation of, of young adults. And, and that's the great hope. And what's next for Blue Zones? Any cities coming up the pipeline? What are you working on? I am working on another book called the Blue Zone American Kitchen. Turns out that about a hundred years ago, America ate a Blue Zone diet. And I'm capturing that in this next book. That'll be out in a year. I'm working on finally a line of foods, whole plant-based food under Blue Zones. Yes, just, you know, Thumbs after up. 20 years, I probably finally got to smell the cappuccino. And working on that. And uh, I can't go into detail, but very soon you will see a four-part series, documentary series, Blue Zones, done with the most gorgeous production values from a major television or a streaming provider. But I'm under contract not to say who it is. Oh, wow. Well, we're going to have to get you back on the show for that. I, I would love to. Live from Sardinia. Live from Sardinia. Okay, we'll talk offline about that. Dan, always a pleasure. Congratulations. Love the Blue Zones Challenge. Everyone, go pick it up. Give Great gift, too. Anyone in your family you want to get help, it's a great, it's so approachable. It's and there's something provided. to learn for everyone. I love, it's like, I know the Blue Zones so well that I, I just always enjoy talking about it. I learn something new every time I have you. Well, yeah, I'm always honored to be part of the Mind Body Green um, family and if any of your listeners have questions, I'm very good at answering them on my handle and Instagram is at Dan Butner. A book comes out on, on December 7th and it's uh, it's very interactive. It's not a big intimidating book. It's, it's one that you can actually use for four weeks and I'm proud of it actually. Well, we love the book and I actually think it makes a great gift for Christmas. It's very approachable. I love you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dan. All right, brother. Appreciate the conversation.